Okay, you're in Colossians chapter 1. Years ago, I asked this question at the beginning of a service. Do you know how many times at the end of a service, a pastor will say something like, okay, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and no one looking around. And I did that at the beginning of the service and then I asked this question. I said, okay, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, so no pressure on this, but how many of you have ever struggled with the matter of knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven? How many of you have ever struggled with that question? So our heads were bowed, eyes closed, and I said, raise your hand if that's you. Well, I'm telling you, it was almost as if everyone in the auditorium raised their hand. I mean, I was a little taken back. I knew there would be a lot of people that would raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me. But I was a little taken back by the, the, the volume of people that just as, it was almost as if everybody. And then I said, okay, so um, leave your hands up if within the last year you've had a real question about am I on my way to heaven? This last year you've had real battles with do I know I am on my way to heaven? So I asked that question. Now I will tell you, Several hands went down, but the the number of people whose hands remained raised was a little bit shocking to me. I said, within the last year, you have struggled with the matter of, I know I am on my way to heaven. Scores of people's hands up. And I'm talking about people that have been in church. This is not a, a young group of believers, of Christians. These are people that are church, that sit in a setting just like we're in tonight, and they hear day in and day out the truths of Scripture, the reality of salvation. And then I said, okay, so let me ask you this. How many of you within the last month, the last month have struggled with this matter of, I know that I'm on my way to heaven. How many in the last month? Now, again, a lot of hands went down. But you would have been, if you were looking at what I was looking at, I suspect that you would have been like, wow, that's a lot of people. And then I asked the final question. I said, okay, how many of you are struggling right now with the matter of, man, I keep keep battling with this, this mental challenge of, am I really, and then we use a word that, that is somewhat familiar to many, am I truly saved and still numbers of people whose hands remain raised now I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand and say hey are you struggling with the matter of assurance of salvation but but if we start to process this idea of assurance of salvation doesn't it make sense that a person would have a hard time an honestly difficult challenging time truly living for Jesus Christ if they don't know that they truly belong to him I mean, that I would have a hard time really, in a sense, selling out to God if I truly don't know. I mean, consistently, moment by moment, that I do belong to him. That this matter of settling the the thought of salvation is a done deal. If I keep battling with this matter of am I truly saved, I'm never going to come to the point where I am truly prepared to to give everything to God, to give it all I've got because I don't even know if I belong to him. We're going to start for the next few Sunday evenings a, a small sermon series that we're calling No Doubt About It. 
And tonight as we begin, we're going to address the matter of what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Now, before you just shut down and and pause, okay, because you might say, hey, listen, I know what it means to be saved, so I'm good. I'm just going to mentally kind of, before you check out, please understand that I think for any true believer, the matter of understanding what it is that Jesus Christ did for us only grows in its beauty as we continue to grow in our understanding of him. So don't shut down tonight. If you're sitting here this evening and you say, I know that I am saved, then I also suspect that you would say, man, let us look again at what it means to know Jesus Christ. God is certainly concerned with the matter of his children knowing that they belong to him. In fact, when you start thinking about this, this idea of, well, well, should we even be asking these questions if we're truly saved? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Do you know, at times we, we use that little expression, you know, asking Jesus into your heart. You know, here the scripture says that Jesus Christ is in you. And then it uses the little phrase, except ye be reprobates. That word reprobate there means literally worthless. He's saying, now listen, you might have a worthless faith. That would be an illegitimate faith. A faith that you should not hold on to because it's not going to hold you up. So he says, now you better examine, is what I have bought into legitimate? And I'm going to say this, I can say this so confidently that it gives me great pleasure to say, investigate the the, the claims of scripture regarding salvation. Do you know what God does? He says, hey, listen, just dig into it. Look at it from any angle you choose. Don't hold back. I mean, you can put the magnifying glass upon this matter of salvation and every level you look at it, no matter what angle you you observe it from, it is ready and prepared to stand up to the most thorough investigation. Listen, go ahead and look at the claims of Christ. He says, examine your faith. Don't be afraid of that. I mean, don't be, don't be cautious of it. Like, well, I just, I don't know. If, if people ask too many questions, can it really stand up? Listen, skeptics and, and unbelievers and atheists and a horde of those that have come against scripture have been asking questions since man began. And what is it that continues to stand? The, the truths of scripture and salvation. In fact, the more closely you look at it, I think the more, more ready you have to be to run away from it or accept it. How many skeptics have begun to look into scripture attempting to disprove its claims and actually come away Christians because they found it stood up to their most thorough investigation. So examine your faith, take a look at it. Don't be hesitant to do so. Then, then, you know, this idea of, of um, our faith, there is something that he has done that is completely unique. This is not just an add-on to your life. This is something radically different. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
a true, genuine Christian is not just someone who has, who has added eternal life to his resume. It's not just like I've added another title, child of God, to my list of names. It's a completely new identity. This is secured in the person of Jesus Christ. To be saved means that I'm not just changed, but I am something that I wasn't before. I am a new creation. There's something radically powerful about what happens when a person is saved. Notice what has taken place. Your Bibles are open right now to Colossians chapter 1. So look in your Bible at the passage beginning in verse number 12. Our text tonight. Here the Bible says, Colossians 1 beginning in verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to be meet. That means fit. Which hath made us to be meet made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do you know a lot of times we do talk about a person being saved. Have you ever been saved before? Then ask Jesus to save you. Well, well, I think many times some people may understand that, but in a culture that we live in today, I don't think we should assume that people know exactly what it means to be saved. And what is it that, that you're talking about when you're asking me, have I ever been saved? Well, in the passage that's before us this evening, Colossians chapter 1, we should at least ask this question, what did Jesus accomplish for us? If we're talking about what does it mean to be saved, let's begin by asking the question, okay, what did Jesus accomplish for us? He uses this expression in the passage that we're looking at, and he talks about being delivered. Do you know the first thing that he does that I see in this passage is he delivered us from darkness. And that is from the, the power of Satan. How, what did he do? Well, the first thing he did is he delivered me. He rescued me. He saved me from the power of darkness. Again, Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The word delivered there, it's emphatic. It means to rescue someone away from imminent danger. Okay, so we get this and, and we, we're familiar with this all the time. So Dr. Zach, why don't you help me for just a minute? And, um, and now, do you have your phone with you? Do you ever walk and look at your phone at the same time? Yes. He does, okay. So um, how many of you, how many of you have ever walked into something or someone walking and, oh, wow, lots of you. So stop doing that, okay? So... So Dr. Zach, you're walking, you're, you're, I mean, man, there's something really important and you're just kind of walking along and you're just walking forward and you're just walking. Now listen, stop, wait, 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 just a minute. Now listen, if he just keeps walking, reading his phone, he is in imminent peril and danger. Okay, so make sure that the camera is such that we get to see the whole thing happen, okay? So, so here he is, he's walking, he's just reading, he's looking, he's like, wow, he's taking big steps, no, 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 no. Okay, let's do it a little bit closer, okay? Wow. So sorry about that. So here he goes, he's just walking. Don't take such big steps, man. You're like, whoa, whoa. 
I can't get to you, you know? So here he's looking at his phone and here I am. I'm like, oh, wow, what a beautiful crowd. What a great people. This is so good. This is so wonderful. I just want to see what you're going to do. <laughs> okay, so how many of you have ever had an experience before where you actually pulled someone back from like walking out in front of a car? How many of you have ever had that? How many of you have ever been pulled back from walking out in front of a car? Oh, even more. How many of you, they just didn't pull you back? Okay. Okay, a few people like that. Hey, thanks, Dr. Zach. Okay, this is the idea like, okay, hey, I'm just kind of walking along, singing my song. And, and you know, if you keep going, imminent peril. And so someone grabs you and they rescue you. Okay, we, we, have, um, we have ways of seeing rescues all the time today. And we see them, I mean, they're, they're lived out in front of us in, in vivid detail. Do you know what I mean? Like the, I don't know, the, the, the car that went off the bridge and, and someone jumps in and they, they save someone from drowning. The, the car that's going under and they, they save the person or they save the child that, that fell down in this, in this open well. And, and you know, man, they, they go down and they're, they're, they have to, you know, create this tunnel system. And I, I, I read recently of the, these, this group of boys that were, that were tunneling with their leader. They're, they're going back into these caves and, and then the monsoon waters came up and they trapped the boys back there. They were, they were back there for like two weeks and the, the way that they had to rescue these boys, they, they literally had to, had to sedate the boys, seal their face with this mask and, and then they're taking them underwater so that, I mean, they had to sedate them so they don't panic. The, the trip out is phenomenal and all the boys were saved. When we start to talk about what does it mean to be saved? Do you know you can't believe in a real heaven if you don't believe in a real hell? Because there's nothing to be saved from if hell is not a real place. And the Bible uses the word saved all throughout. Delivered from. Saved. We, we sing about it, saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet, my joy complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. Okay, saved from what? Delivered from what? Jesus came to deliver us from the domain, the rule, the realm, the darkness of our arch enemy, and that is Satan. The meaning of being delivered or saved, it helps us understand that, that okay, I, I have some imminent danger. That there is something that unless I change the trajectory of my current direction, unless something is altered, imminent doom, danger. Well, well what is it that Jesus did? Okay, I'm, I'm walking toward my own demise. And Jesus is the one who rescues me. He saves me. He delivers me. You know, the, the only two options, either under the dominion of darkness or the kingdom of light, those are the only two options. It, it's one or the other. So it's not like, well, I'm, I'm gonna give me another option. It's only those two. Either at this very moment, you are under the kingdom of darkness and the control of the same. 
Now you may bristle at that. You may not like to hear that, but the truth of the matter is you are in one of two kingdoms at this very moment, the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light. That's the, that's the only, those are the only two options. So Jesus saves us from the power of darkness. Satan has no more authority, no more rule over us. And those who are saved have no obligation to serve him. Remember that this is woven all throughout the book of Romans. I still have the capacity to do what I did before, but I have no more obligation. I don't have to do that anymore. I have a new master. I have been translated into a new kingdom. So what did Jesus accomplish for us? He delivered us from the power of darkness. So, you know, you start to even talk, we, did, we didn't hit that word. He translated us to the kingdom of, of, of his dear son, translated. What does that mean? It means transferred. It means I, I, I officially put in my transfer request. I, I don't like this master. I want to transfer from him to a good master. And, and that transfer request was immediately honored. And he says, approved. And now Jesus Christ has the authority to say, I am transferring you, translating you from one kingdom into another. Now, some may ask the question, what did he do to make that possible? I mean, I, okay, so, so can anyone just make this transfer happen? Okay, well, yeah, okay, so I want to be transferred. Listen, in, in your work situation, if you want to be transferred, everybody can't make that transfer happen. They have to have the authority, the right to do so. So why is it that Jesus Christ gets to say, done, that transfer is something that I personally approve of and it's recognized as legitimate? Well, next then, not only did he deliver us from darkness, but also he delivered us by delivering himself. I can't overemphasize the beauty of, of this statement, he delivered us by delivering up his own body on the tree that was meant for me. He, he, he says, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to become sin. He's not the sinner. He becomes sin for us. Do you know that might be the greatest three-letter word in all of Scripture? And wherever you see it, you, you should pause and just say, wow. When it's connected to what Christ did for us, that little three-letter word, for. Hey, I'm doing this for you. And so now Christ says, I'm going to deliver you. But the only way that you can be delivered is if I deliver up myself in the fashion with which you should have been delivered. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God commendeth, he demonstrated, he proved, he showed, but God commendeth his love toward us in that, or here's how, while we were yet sinners, there's that word, Christ died for us. Isn't that great news? You know, if gospel means good news, what better news is there than, than hell is that which I earned by my own wage. I'm just getting paid for what I earn. But then Jesus said, 
let me die your death on your behalf. And, and I'm the one who deserves hell because of my sin. I'm the one who deserves death, that is separation, and eternal separation because of my sin. And Jesus is the one who deserves all that heaven has. In fact, when, when Jesus in heaven, everything in heaven rotates around him. His will is supreme. And yet the one, the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God takes the place of the, the hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner. And we trade places in the greatest exchange that's ever been made in the history of mankind took place when Christ died for us. It gave him the right to be able to say, I can deliver you. Because I'm not just saying, oh, don't worry about the payment. He's not saying that. He's saying, no, 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 no. For God to remain holy and a righteous judge, that payment has to be made. And there's only one that could fully satisfy God. L let me ask you this, why is hell eternal? I'll tell you why, because you and I can never fully pay for the price of our sin. You never get to the point where it's like, okay, now I paid enough. No, 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 you can't pay enough. I don't have the resources to finally pay off my sin debt. There's only one that was an, an acceptable sacrifice, and that is Jesus, the spotless lamb of God. We sang about that tonight. So what does he do? Well, he, he translates us transfers us into a new kingdom. The Bible says it this way in 1 Timothy 2.6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The word ransom, it just means to give one thing in exchange for another, a fitting payment. He, he became the cost of the ransom. So, okay, I'm, I'm held, I'm fast bound in sin by the chains of my bad master. And, and the ransom, the only acceptable ransom is Jesus Christ. Think about the cost of what we're talking about to rescue a sinner like me. The Bible says in Acts 26, verse number 18, when Jesus is commissioning the apostle Paul, he said to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me, faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, what is it that Jesus accomplished for us? He delivered us from the power of darkness. That is the power of Satan. He delivered us by delivering himself. And then when we continue to think about what is salvation? Well, he delivered us not only by delivering himself, but he delivered us for a purpose. There is a purpose for our salvation. The Bible says this in Titus chapter 2, verse number 14. It says, who gave himself for, there's that word again, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And now here's, here's the like, oh, wow, this is the, this is the end of salvation. This is the purpose for which we're saved. For what purpose? That he might purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, we're, we're going to address this more fully later, but let's at least acknowledge it right now. Why, okay, why does he save us? 
to, to set apart for himself a peculiar people. That does not mean, I'm not being silly about this. It doesn't mean peculiar strange. It means, wow, there's, there's none they're equal. There's nobody else like them. They, they are of the rarest treasure. This is not common. This is not what you see everywhere. This, this is not like, well, 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 yeah, we just want to fit in with. No, no, no. This is that light that shines in the midst of the darkness. It is that diamond that glistens against the, the black velvet that surrounds it. This is the peculiar people that a, that a people can look at you and say, wow, that's different. That really is supposed to be the experience of those, whoever it is, wherever they are, whatever, wherever it's organized, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, the, the visible presence of Christ on earth. That whenever a person comes into the body of believers, there's supposed to be some sense of, wow, this is, this is I don't mean this in a strange way. This is, this is peculiar. I've never been in anything like this before. There is some tangible love that is in the midst of these people that, that I cannot explain. There is some light in the darkness of this world and I see it in the midst of this assembly. A people that are, wow, that's different. Do you know Campus Church, it's what we're called to be. I mean, here in Pensacola, you know, you know, Pastor Burdick mentioned tonight the, the food truck festival. I hope you'll come because I hope that there will be people from all over Pensacola that will come and rub shoulders with you and see that there, there is something uniquely different about a group of people that are standing here and we're standing in line and it's, and it's hot outside and the sun's beating down, but there's something peculiar rare, unique, D dare I say beautiful about a group of people that I see in our midst that, that I don't see anywhere else. This year at the food truck festival, we're setting up some prayer tents. I mean, just places where people from wherever they say, oh yeah, man, I have some things I'd, I'd love for somebody to pray about. So we can have an opportunity to sit down with people who may be searching for something more than just a little answer to their prayer. We'll pray, but oh, how we want them to see that there is something more than the urgent request that they have. And that is the person who can supply for all of their needs and present Jesus. We're being more strategic about how can we engage people in our community in children's ministry because people come and, and the stories are, are all over the place regarding people whose children came to know Jesus and then their children begin to ask their parents, do you know Jesus? You know, for, for you to show up and be there and someone from Pensacola sees you and you start to have this conversation with them and say, hey, you from Pensacola, where are you from? And, 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 and you can probably tell. Like, oh yeah, they're, they're not from Campus Church. Wonderful. Hey, where are you from? Did you grow up here? Uh, how long you been here? Wow, uh, yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm from here. I'm from the church that's doing the food truck festival. Hey, do you go to church anywhere? I mean, seriously, that's a really natural, normal conversation. So I don't know if I could do that. Why not? 
Well, because it's peculiar. Well, that's what you're supposed to be, remember? These are the kinds of things that as a church, we should be asking, how can I engage people? What can we do to actually rub shoulders with sinners? Man, I, I, hope, I hope a lot of sinners come. Because then by God's grace, they'll look and see people who are, wow, what's, what is it that makes them so specially different? Like something that's attractive, something that I desire. What is it? It's the person of Jesus Christ. What does he do? He delivers us for a purpose. Remember, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. And we should be zealous of good works. What does it mean to be saved? It means that someone died in your place and there was only one that could accomplish it. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the part of God that left heaven, was born of a virgin, and lived a sinless, spotless life. He satisfied all the just and holy demands of God. There was not one that Jesus Christ wavered on. He was perfect in all his ways. And then he was condemned as a sinner, but he opened not his mouth. Despised, rejected of men. And yet he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've driven every man to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what does he do? He dies a sinner's death. But only a holy God could do what Jesus did. He, he couldn't stay dead. He died the sinner's death. The ransom has been paid. But three days later, Jesus Christ rose victoriously from the grave, never to die again. Amen. Do you know what he left for us then? He left for us something that was in a sense the, the mark upon us that we belong to him. It's, it's very basic, it's very straightforward salvation. If you've ever accepted the son, then you have something. In fact, the Bible says it in such straightforward language. First John 5, 12, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. There, there's, no, there's no like, whoa, what is he saying about this? Uh, do you have Jesus? I, I don't know. Okay, then you, you need to settle the matter. Do you have them? I think I, no, no, no. Either you do or you don't. Amen. You see, people don't ask me, hey, hey, pastor, are you married? I think I am. <laughs> there was a time when I wasn't married. And then there was a time that I was married. And from the time that I was married, I'm still married. I wasn't and now I am. Are, do you have Jesus? I don't know. If you don't know, then, then you can and you should. Okay, so he that hath the son hath life. Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. 
In whom also after ye believed, ye were, here's this wonderful word, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. For all those who have trusted Christ, something very special happened to you. And I mean special in many, many ways. But you know, one of the things that happened, it's as if the king took his signet ring. The one that communicates authority, power, resources, security. And he takes that ring and he, and he seals it, so to speak, on your heart and life. And now you are sealed with the person of the Holy Spirit. Sealed, like marked, set apart. Now you belong to him. You are now this peculiar people, this special people. You belong to him. And he placed the Holy Spirit of God in your life. This is the mark of God upon you. You say, well, well, I can't always see that. You might not be able to, but he can. His word, his word is at stake here. It's not like, well, I don't know if I can. Listen, if God fails to do what he promised to do, and that is give you everlasting life, then his name's at stake, not yours. So he sealed you. This is something that it's not, it's not no one else gets possession of that ring, so to speak. This is salvation. This is being delivered. We'll address, okay, well, what if I'm not really living like that peculiar person? Well, we're going to address the fact that you should be. And I will also say you're going to continually struggle with assurance of salvation until you live like you were created to live as a peculiar person. Do you know him? Some of you this last week in special services, you came to know Jesus Christ. Some of you maybe just talking with, with a friend, with a coworker, some of you with a roommate. You passed from death to life. You were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. If you haven't yet been, you should be. You need to be. We'll have our pastoral staff here afterwards. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward during an invitation, but our pastoral team will just be hanging out down here. And if tonight you'd say, I have not yet been transferred, translated into his kingdom, why not tonight? You may have been transferred, but you say, I'm struggling with knowing. We'll continue to address this, but if you need help tonight, just Meet us right here. We'll hang out. We'll talk to people. But if you need help, find it. You need to start to think about, no doubt about it. Is that really possible? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Yes, you can know that you have eternal life with no doubt about it.